2: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Hey, What's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
0: Aw, oh, April Fools. Are we still doing that? It's Monday, April 1st, episode 196 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. I am in New York City doing voiceovers for EA Sports UFC 4. I wake up this morning, Ken Flo. And I see a post from Tim Kennedy that he's coming out of retirement. I don't know what fucking day it is. So I retweet that shit, and uh, everyone's calling me a fool all day. What are you going to do?
1: He got you, dude.
0: He got you on April Fool. You didn't see it coming. So are, are you an April Fool's Day guy? Have you played any uh, pranks on anyone today? But Level with not- me,
1: bro not in many, many years. I used to do the thing where like, you know, the spray hose that's connected to the sink. I used to tape that down as a kid pointed upwards. And then when you turn the faucet on, it sprayed everywhere. I did that a few, for for a few years, but I'm not really an April fool's guy now. So I
0: think when I'm home, I, I certainly would take some sort of opportunity to mess with my wife or my mom. Right. Um, some gullible people out there in my family right. with all due respect. Right. But no, I saw Tim's post and I know his last fight was against Kelvin Gastelum, uh, which was pretty forgettable for, for team Kennedy. So yeah. I know how hard he works in life and in training. So I didn't think it was out of the realm of possibility that Tim Kennedy would come back for a UFC fight or two. And, uh, sure. needless to say, uh, I heard from the MMA masses shortly thereafter that, I should check the date. And it is April 1st. We're (laughs) glad to be with you. Sorry for a little delay today. Uh, I was busy during the day, as was Ken Flo. TJ had a babysitter quit. So uh, the schedules have aligned, and here we are a little bit late coming at you. So we're going to recap this Philly show. Ray Longo's going to join us in 10 minutes. It's always interesting talking to Longo at the end of his day um, because at times he sounds a little bit different when you talk to him at the end of the day. So we'll see if Ray Longo's been drinking. I've been drinking. I haven't uh, I haven't done this podcast with alcohol in my system all that often, but I just went up to the rooftop bar at the, the Viceroy here in New York City, banged a couple of Captain and Cokes with our guy Jimmy Stewart, and, and I'm a lightweight when it comes to the alcohol tolerance, so we're just gonna have to see how it goes over the
1: next forty five minutes or so. Uh, how long are you in New York City for? Because I'm I'm gonna be there on Thursday night.
0: Oh, I leave Wednesday night. Uh, see, That's too see, bad. You're
1: out of here. See, unbelievable. Oh That's I would have finally bad. got the could give me a hug. I know. Oh, well. I mean,
0: I love those Ken Flow hugs. Well, I hope to see you soon. I got to come out nice. to L.A. at some point and pay off this power hour. Yes, uh, sir. Before it gets too late, right? I-, I don't like to let too much time expire before paying off these bets. The, the, way, you know.
1: the way it's going right now for this year, man, I, I don't know. I might... we. <laughs> We might as well wait. Maybe I'll do a trade. I'll be like, "You know what? You don't have to do it this year cuz it's not looking too good for me right now.
0: Maybe call it a wash or we could do a power yeah. hour together at the end there of the year go. or something." There you go. Uh, but hey man, I know not to rest on my laurels. No lead is safe when it comes to Kembo who <laughs> caught absolute fire last December with that backloaded UFC schedule and rallied from like 15 points down to to make it three to one or two to one, whatever it is in the main event challenge. But I digress. We have a lot to get to, obviously, when it comes to this UFC Philadelphia show and uh, explicit language. I mean, Justin fucking Gaethje. Okay. Like, I don't know if I'm getting a Gaethje tattoo. My fantasy football team is already called team Gaethje. I am an objective party as the lead play by play voice of the UFC. But if you're a mixed martial arts fan and this guy is not your first, second or third favorite fighter, um, then, then show me your list, Kenny, because this guy is absolutely incredible. There's just no one really like him, and the fact that he was able to do that to one of the most decorated strikers in UFC history, in Edson Barboza, uh, just another feather in the cap of the highlight, Justin Gaethje. Uh,
1: which is another reason why he should be in the top three as far as getting paid in the UFC, in my opinion. Yeah, this right. guy is going to deliver excitement. It doesn't matter. There's certain guys that, you know, have a style where they're reckless and they're a little right. hesitant. Or you know, Gaethje knows exactly what he's going to do. He's not sure if he's going to get knocked out himself, but he knows that he has to put himself in harm's way, and he is absolutely willing to do that time in and time out again, no matter who he's facing. And Edson Barbosa is a very fast talented and dangerous striker and Gaethje was able to get into the pocket and land that beautiful right hook I mean he's an absolute savage and and Gaethje again is one of those guys who should be paid handsomely for it yeah I
0: agree with you you know I think that a lot of fighters try to renegotiate their contracts after certain fights Uh, you know, there are a lot of rumors that ally Quint is a guy who tries to perpetually renegotiate his contracts. But like, if you're Justin Gaethje, right, we said before this fight, more bonuses than UFC fights and yet again, another bonus. So I think it's six bonuses, five UFC fights, three and two. Uh, but you're right. I mean, if this guy isn't making $350,000 to show, I mean, I don't know what he's worth. I don't know how you put a value on this guy, but when I'm calling the fight, I have to check my fan card at the door. When I'm doing a podcast like this, I can just sit here and look at my man, Ken Flo and say, like, holy fucking shit, this guy, man. Like, that's all I can sit here and think to say. It's not because I've been drinking. Holy shit. You know, what, like, they're just, I can't think of a, of a parallel in the sport. I mean, you've got, you've got guys like Robbie Lawler, eternally aggressive, forward-moving, who are, are perennial fan-favorite types, but
1: I just, I can't
0: recall seeing anybody like Justin Gaethje in my time calling UFC fights.
1: Absolutely. And then, listen, there's very few of them. Uh you you have your Robbie Lawlers, you have your Tony Fergusons. Yeah. Um listen, it, and and it's also the fact that he's going out there and he's winning with that style against very good fighters. And I think there's a certain energy that he brings into the octagon as well. It's not just him going out there and putting on exciting fights. There's a charisma, there's an excitement, there's an authenticity to Justin Gaethje that a lot of fighters are pursuing and claiming to be. Gaethje is that dude. Make no mistake about it. He's that dude. So when I was interviewing him in the
0: Octagon after the fact, Kenny, he said something to the effect of, I don't feel anything in there. You know, sometimes I wish I would, but like this dude walks in there and he's throwing a water bottle to Trevor Whitman, loose as a goose just totally unfazed by this fight atmosphere in the best of ways. You know, I think it's something that certainly works to his advantage, but he really just doesn't feel anything in there. And we've talked about guys like John Jones who love fight night and guys like your former teammate, George St. Pierre, that absolutely dreaded fight night. Certainly Gaethje is a guy cut from the John Jones cloth. He absolutely loves fight night, but it's crazy. Like, I don't know what you felt in there on fight night, but This is a guy who just doesn't feel any of the negative jitter type emotions when he is on the greatest proven ground in mixed martial arts. And I think it's something that he really is able to use to his advantage. Kenny, he's just totally calm, treats it like a sparring session.
1: When the lights shine their brightest, he is truly at his best. Some people are born to fight. Um, not everybody is. Gechi is absolutely born to become a professional mixed martial artist. Yeah. Uh, he delivers excitement every single time out, win or lose. He is such a massive asset to the UFC. It really uh, is. And the fans, I mean, this guy is the UFC. Talk about as real as it gets. He's authentic. He's not the kind of guy to just go out there and talk trash. Whatever comes out of his mouth is real and he believes it. Whatever his hands do, whatever he does inside the octagon, that is real and you better believe it or you're going to get knocked out. Uh, Gaethje is, is a real treasure. i tell you that. And I'm glad you said that in terms of his value to the promotion because
0: when we go in and do those post-fight interviews after the fight, I try not to have too much in my head. I'm not really planning too much of it, right? I want it to be concise. I want it to be efficient. But all I could really think to say to him is that, you know, promotionally, we are really fortunate to have you. So I'm glad you sort of echoed that sentiment. I want to throw a, th- a few things at you in terms of our conversations with Justin Gacy. We sat down with him on Thursday. He gets defensive when... You just focus on his chin and you don't focus on his defense. He feels like he has a real innate ability to roll with punches and minimize damage. And yet it seems like everybody naturally wants to talk about his legendary chin. But there were times in this fight where it was selective engagement, right? It wasn't reckless. And Trevor Whitman said to us on Thursday, you know, he sharpshoots the hell out of people in the gym. And that's what we're looking for him to do on fight night, to be selective, to not just fire himself into the chaos when it ensues. And I thought at times in this fight, even after stunning Barboza early, he was very measured.
1: Listen, I think he's a smarter fighter than what he gets credit for. He utilizes a style uh, that was utilized back in the day. I actually utilized it very early on in my career, Um, and and it's called shelling, Um, and uh, a lot of the SBG guys are are known for it as well. Um, Joe Frazier did it as a boxer, but he does a little bit different, almost like he's combing his hair. Quentin Rampage Jackson did it. Um, Gaethje will do it moving forward, and what he offers up is the top of his head, and for a lot of guys you know that are hitting that, you're going to hurt your hands, um, and that is the hardest part of your head. That is one of the hardest parts of your body, period, so... From there he's able to deflect a lot of shots, just kind of combing, being in that shell position. Um, he doesn't take a lot of shots in that process where he becomes vulnerable he does, which is what Eddie Alvarez was able to expose. So um For him, he's going to press forward with that style. I thought he was uh, a lot smarter in this fight against Barbosa. Not only that, as he was moving forward, he was cautious in in, uh, approaching those leg kicks. If he did take a leg kick, he would return with the leg kick. I thought it was an excellent performance from Justin Gaethje. If he can continue to improve his defense and be selective in how he moves forward, he will be that much more difficult to deal with.
0: In terms of Edson Barboza in this fight, it's hard to remember him being on the wrong side of a beating like this. And crazy to think that his wife went into labor about four hours after the fight, and they got him an earlier flight, and he was able to get back to South Florida to witness the birth of his second child and his first daughter. But in talking to his coaches, Marcos Damata Pahumpa and Alex Davis after the fact, Uh, They weren't trying to take credit away from Justin Gaethje, but they just felt like the game plan specifically early on in round one was just to circle. And I don't know if you have anything for me on Barboza, but it seems like he didn't execute what they had talked about really over the last six or eight weeks, at least early on in the fight. Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I I will say this. Listen, yeah, you want to circle when you get a guy. (laughs) That's coming forward like a Justin Gaethje, though. You need to give him a reason to stop coming forward. So even if you're circling, yeah, okay, that's cool. You're going to circle. You don't get hit. I get it. But what does that do to the guy that's chasing you? Does that stop a a, a Jason-type character in in Friday the 13th from from coming? That's (laughs) not going to scare that guy. At the end of the day, you can keep running from Jason, but you got to do something to stop him. At the end of the day. And and Justin Gaethje isn't going to be affected by someone running away from him. In fact, you're handing him the baton. You're saying, I'm afraid of you. I'm just going to run away from you. That gives power to Justin Gaethje. Now all he has to do is cut off the cage because right. he knows you're not going to throw. So right, right. you need something, something, some kind of intercepting weapons. You need some kind of intercepting weapons to guys like a Tony Ferguson, the guys like a Robbie Lawler, whether it's a double leg takedown, whether it's a kick down the middle. Um, you, you need to you need to get respect from those guys because running away isn't the only answer. And, and I get it. That's probably a safe way. But I think in Barbosa's mind, he said, listen, I have to stand my ground at least once or twice here and do something. But he was circling when he got hit as well. So right. I don't know. All right. Well,
0: Justin Gaethje, your winner early on. Two and a half minutes into round one by TKO. Sixth UFC bonus in five UFC fights. And he came in with a number eight next to his name. And that was something that really didn't sit well with him. But all indications are that he's going to probably vault into the top five and be in some sort of title eliminator of sorts. And we're going to have more on that lightweight division later and get Ken Flo's thoughts as to who might be next for the great Justin Gaethje. Uh, but Ray Longo's been waiting all day for the Anakin Florian podcast. Let us get to the Ray Longo minutes. It's
2: now time for the Ray Longo minutes. i going to punch a hole in his fucking chest. That's what I
0: want. The Ray Longo Minute.
2: John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast. Come on, man. What is this?
0: What's the problem, man?
2: This guy's a big shot doing video games, Kenny.
1: I know. Seriously, this
0: guy. We're
2: over here searching for crumbs. This guy's in New York City. Doing
0: video games.
1: Must be nice. So I took an
0: Uber, Ray. I took an Uber to Garden City to Law MMA this afternoon to try to surprise you, and you weren't fucking there.
2: Oh, you're full of shit, man. It's the only day huh. I was not here. Did you really you, come over?
0: No, it, it's April Fool's Day. I figured I'd throw a little jab your oh, way.
2: Oh, I was going to say, you know what's funny, man? Because I took today off only because, uh, you know, my frickin' back, my hip, i would be killing myself. So I said, let me just see what happens if I rest. Uh, that's why, man, that was a good one. Good one. It's good. amazing. We funny.
0: talked... We we talked about your durability over the last few weeks, and now for the first and time in the since- four year history of this podcast, you're you're bitching about your yeah. well being. <laughs>
2: and that and that ever since that day, it's been downhill. <laughs> so
0: if I didn't work for the UFC and I was just a fan, and I saw what Justin Gaethje did on Saturday night, I would have gone on the internet. I would have Googled Justin Gaethje gear. And I would have bought like a Gaethje fight kit and everything Justin Gaethje related. I would have looked for his singlet from the University of Northern Colorado. <laughs> uh, dude, what what can you tell me about Justin Gaethje and your thoughts on him as a, a fighter and budding UFC superstar?
2: Well, I got to say, first off, man, when you talk about mindset, I think Justin Gaethje possesses one of the best mindsets in the game. And this is a guy, remember, he's coming off, he lost twice, so he doesn't let his losses bother him. He's a live by the sword, die by the sword type of guy. And I'll tell you what, man, he he's a, he's a problem. He, he hits hard, he's willing to mix it up. I don't think he, uh, like, again, I think he's got everything in perspective. I think he fights the way he wants to fight, and either you're on board with it or you're going to sleep.
0: So, he has talked about Yeah, Yeah, sorry. sorry, Ken Flo, I didn't know you were chopping Go in there. For after it. You. Go for it. Well, I was just going to say, you know, he talks a lot about wrestling fatigue and how, yeah, he could lean on the D1 wrestling chops, but he's worried about wrestling fatigue. And I think that's a very real thing. Just because he has those yeah. skills doesn't necessarily mean uh, that that's going to help him win high-level MMA fights. Uh, yeah, I think
2: he's, look, again, I think, he doesn't bullshit. I think this is a guy that, that tells the truth when he speaks. And, uh, you know, he tells you exactly what he's going to do. I think he had this fight in his head when he said, you know, eight out of ten times I'm going to get him. You know, two out of ten times he's going to hit me with a big punch. I think he's, he's pr- like, again, he's pretty squared away. The wrestling fatigue, they're all afraid of tiring out wrestling. Because if that happens, then you're left standing up. And if you have the wrong guy in front of you, that's an absolute nightmare. So I I, 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 do agree with him on that. Uh, you know, if, if everybody has pretty good wrestling defense now, and if that, that you have any type of energy, uh, I think that for certain people, that's a, that's a big problem.
1: And Ray, you know, when, when you're going to face a guy like a Justin Gaethje or a Tony Ferguson, or a Robbie Lawler, perhaps th- these are guys that engage you perhaps more than all of those guys. He yes. doesn't care what happens to him. He doesn't care. That it is, doesn't is. matter. I get knocked out, cool. I knock your head out into the stands. That's cool too. It does not matter. I'm going in there to fight you. I'm going to hurt period. you. Period. Uh, period. Exactly. How and do you prepare? How what, do you prepare someone for something cool. like that? You know what, man? That's that's
2: the that's the challenge. But he, you're right, though. He does not care, and like, that's what I was trying to say. He had a couple of losses. They don't even remotely bother him. He's not going to dwell on it. Right. He's a live by the sword, die by the sword type of guy. He doesn't care. And that makes him really, really dangerous. You know, because before the fight, you know, I was even talking out. Al. It was like, I think this is, you know, one guy's more technical, one guy's more tougher. Who's going to win? You know, it was coming down right. to that. <laughs> After the fight, go, I guess we got our answer. Tough this
0: <laughs> one out. You know, he just, dude, he walked right through that guy. Crazy, yeah. And I got to say, Brady. those those who will say, oh, you know, how's Justin Gaethje's brain going to be in 20 years? And, and they'll tweet like a bowl of pudding or something. I will just tell you, when we sat down with this guy on Thursday, he is about as sharp and thoughtful and articulate as yeah. any fighter on this roster. And, Ray, not unlike your guy, Ally Quinta, he doesn't cut a lot of weight to make 155 pounds, right? He wrestled at 157 pounds. He's sitting in our fighter meeting on Thursday eating you know, candy, right? Like not eating like a Snickers bar, but eating um, you know, like suckers or something, right? So I think he's got a lot of things going for him. No,
2: Look, I I only uh, I met him briefly in Vegas. He seems like a great fucking dude too, I gotta tell you. He seems like a really good guy. It was brief, I think he was getting something to eat at the counter. I was walking by to meet some people and I, I think it was when Al maybe was supposed to find him and I said, man, sorry about what happened. And you know, and he's like, dude, it's a, this is great. It's all great. He's just a good dude. He's a good guy. And I like seeing good things happen to good guys like that. He is putting on a show. He's enjoying it. Uh, I think he even said something like he doesn't even know why he doesn't get nervous before the fights. So is right. a guy that really enjoys what the fuck he's doing for the right yeah. reason, I think. Yeah. So, uh, man, he's a tough out for anybody I gotta tell you, after that fight I didn't really, I don't know if I was sold on it Before that fight Because I thought Barbosa, you know, he was going to meet fire With fire and Barbosa right. You know, but he, he Walked right, I, I'm surprised He walked through way Easier than I would have anticipated
0: Yeah, we talked about that before you came on the air What he said to me in the octagon After the fact, I, I don't know why I don't, I don't feel anything In there I mean, this dude's crazy,
2: well, yeah, I, I think that means he's a psychopath, but I'm not really sure <laughs> <but I> think, <laughs> yeah.
1: in the best of ways
2: oh, man, he's, he's in, in the best of ways no 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 i'm a, i'm a I'm a Justin Gaethje fan man he you, you, I don't think you cannot be he's an exciting freaking fighter man. he really is
0: oh, the best so. Former WSOF lightweight champion, five successful title defenses, now five UFC fights, four of them main events. And as we try to spin this thing forward, I know you and Raging Al have your sights set on Donald Cowboy Cerrone in a main event. I think it's May 4th in Ottawa, and rightfully so. But when you look at the landscape of this lightweight division, for most of us laymen and women, the fight that seems to make the most sense chronologically in terms of the rankings is the winner. For Justin Gaethje, that is the winner of this ally aquinta donald Cerrone fight. Yeah,
2: well, or, you know, or, or either or, or the winner of Holloway and Poirier. I mean, that, I, those are the fights that have to be made, you know what I mean? So, uh, if like, the UFC has the ability to make some really good fights now. Either way, but it's those, it's the winner, and those other three guys are 100% in the mix. And, you know, like, I like again, I would want to see Al you know, after a win with uh, Cerrone, get a title shot. So if it's against Gaethje, that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's more the way I'm looking. I think he paid his dues. He took that other fight on last-minute notice. Uh, he did a great job with Kevin Lee. Uh, and let's see what happens. I think Poirier definitely deserved a fight. Holloway wants to come up. That's going to be a great fight. So with, with all of those guys, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. But there's some really good fights to make. But I guess Look. But what already beat Gaethje, so who, who knows? I mean, I love those uh, I love those
1: guys. I, I love those fights, guys. I'm just going to uh put this one out there and drop the mic. Tony Ferguson versus <laughs> Justin Gaethje. Boom. Drop it. Yeah, just no. We, we gotta get I'm, out, get Fer- I'm out. No,
2: you're right though, but we got to get Ferguson healthy.
1: Yes. True.
0: Right.
2: True. Mentally,
0: physically. Yeah. Yes, right.
2: But yeah, when is that guy going to be ready?
0: Right. I mean, could you that's imagine if they lock that door behind Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson, can you fucking imagine? <laughs> it's insane.
1: Take my that money. Is, Absolutely. Know. Make that one happen. And and and
2: hopefully no, Tony there's,
1: gets
2: there. Yeah, I mean, there's three or four really good barn burners in there, man. They're they're all in there, you know. But again, I am concentrating just on Alan Cerrone. There's a huge fight for him because I think it's got big implications afterwards and uh anybody after that. But right now it's just concentrate on Cerrone, obviously is no joke and we respect the guy a lot and you know another guy that wants to fight, he might have, not, not not like this other guy though. <laughs> right. This other right. Guy a, he's a he's a different cat altogether, man. He's, he's I really enjoyed the crap out of that fight. I gotta oh, tell
0: unbelievable. I, I think the only complaint yeah. you could have is that maybe we we only got two and a half minutes, but it was absolutely epic and yeah. man, if, if Gatey and Ferguson fight, uh I might have to take the night off, just go, go to California, rip some bong hits with the flow or something, right? Because that's the one thing is like, so, no, you know, you, I,
2: you, uh, you guys' emotions were great after that fight. That was that was worth the whole watching the fight. Is Watching well, how you know, crazy you guys went.
0: Well, I appreciate you saying that, you know, but it's funny because Joe Silva would always say to me and Kenny before we would call fights, like, don't be afraid, or don't forget to have fun. And sometimes when it comes to the preparation and we've got 13 fights and seven hours of TV – even though we feel like we have the greatest job in the world, when you sit down in that seat, as Kenny can attest, fun isn't the thing that's on the forefront of your mind. You're excited for the fights, and that goes without saying, but there's just a lot of work, and we take our work seriously, um, but fights like that sort of remind you why this truly is the greatest, most unpredictable sport in the world.
1: And that's why Gaethje yeah. is such a star. He brings that energy. The reason you guys you know, brought that energy and, and had that reaction is because of Justin Gaethje going out there and competing like he does, like yeah, he brings, yeah, he I brings agree. the authenticity, which brought the authenticity out of you guys. And, and that's why this guy, it really is a superstar.
2: Yeah, no, he's, he's done a great job, this guy, really. And again, I there's a million things that I read into with him, that his mindset is just at the top of the, uh, you know, it's at the top of the top level mind, mindset out of anybody I've ever seen.
0: Well, switching gears for a minute, you'll be happy to know when doing the video game today, I was able to drop a few a few Ray Longos in there and and a few same Als in there. So we got that <laughs> same same old Al <laughs> thing going on in the next video game for you.
2: Beautiful! Oh, that makes my day.
0: So uh, Bring very qu- of my eye
2: again.
0: So, well, thank you, my man. All right, very quickly on Al Jermaine Sterling before we let you fly. So we have Marlon Mize and Henry Cejudo coming up June eighth in Chicago. A lot of people are talking about a potential title eliminator between Aljamain Sterling and Pedro Munoz. Uh, have you heard anything in terms of a timeline for Aljo and the next opponent?
2: Uh, I Nothing you that. can tell don't, us, right? No, no, I don't even... I, I, but I heard something about June, maybe. That's all Aljo okay. told me. That's what he was looking at. Is so, there a June 8th card, maybe, or a June yeah. something?
0: See, that, to me, makes all the sense in the world. You guys got to make a hard push to be on that same June 8th car with Cejudo and Marais because if one of those guys falls out, it's going to be Pedro or Alja.
2: Yeah, 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 definitely, man. So big, exciting time at the gym. These guys are in the right spot. They're right where they want to be, and uh, they're putting in the work. So whatever happens, happens. But uh, it's very, very exciting.
0: All right, last thing before we let you go, a new middleweight contender emerged over the weekend, the Norwegian born in Sweden, Jack Hermanson, with a huge win against David Branch, five finishes in his last six fights. He didn't say anything about Chris Weidman with me in the octagon, but backstage uh, he talked about that matchup. Certainly, I think it's a long shot right now given what, body of work Chris has put on paper, and given the fact that Hermanson wasn't even ranked going into the David Branch fight, um, but did you see the Hermanson fight, and did you have any thoughts on it?
2: I saw the Hermanson fight, and I thought the submission was I pervert. I love David Branch, I mean literally one of the nicest guys you'll meet I always yeah. have a great time bullshit with him, but I thought that submission was wild the way he set that up
0: Yeah, for so, sure
2: Yeah, I, I thought it was great, I thought it was he did a great job against a really really, really good high-level black belt
0: so yeah
2: that's off to her Manson. i think he did a fantastic job and just the way he set that up i I never saw that before but i haven't been on the mat in about 15 years but uh, huh. <laughs> it, was, it looked good to me yeah
0: 15 years for you 15 months for me but but who's counting Yeah.
1: but kenny, uh, uh, kenny that was a that was a cool setup no Definitely, man. And definitely, and listen, I, I agree with you. I've trained with David Branch back in the day, and oh, I yeah. did not. I, I tell you what, I slept on Jack Hermanson. I didn't think he would be able to get it done, let alone get it done on the ground against David Branch. So, uh, press doubt, the hell out of I, I press agree. the hell out of me.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah I think uh, Weidman's too much room, but if that's the fight they want, maybe Weidman needs a break at this point. mean he just fights top level guys all the time, so right. Uh, who knows?
0: So, next UFC event for you, is it going to be May 4th in Ottawa?
2: No, I'm April 13th. I got Frivola fighting.
0: Oh, Matt, the steamroller Frivola coming up yeah, in Atlanta. Remind gotta, me who we, he's. Oh, the tarantula, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. We got to give the steamroller a little love. So, it'll be April 13th. I'm going to try to get in and out on that one to get back for uh, Al. Right. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, we go right to Ottawa with and now. So big, big right. stuff for the gym. And in, be, in between, i doing a show at the Garden with uh, some local kickboxes and stuff like that. But I, at least I can get in and out on that. So busy, busy time as usual.
0: So, I've noticed you the the movie roles continue to pile up for Ray Longo. I don't know that you're promoting your involvement. I don't know that you're promoting your involvement as well as you should, but, dude, how are all these motion pictures coming together? You got legitimate acting chops. You must really enjoy this stuff.
2: I'd say it's a it's a great release for me. it's It's really fun. It's challenging because I've never done it before. And, uh, you know, I got to do a little martial arts in that last show, which was great. And, uh, we didn't get the final scene of that, but now it's, it's really cool. But I loved, uh, the disarm I thought came out great. And that's all I go. I just, just having fun, man. That's it. But,
0: uh, who knows? Who knows? You're the most badass bartender I've ever seen in my life.
2: That's it. Well, I was, uh, (laughs) I was running a liquor store, but same.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry. All right. All right, Ray Longo, great but, uh, stuff, buddy. We, we'll go deeper on Frivola and Jalen Turner next week. Turner seems like he's six beautiful. seven, So we'll talk about that yeah. next week, buddy. Thanks for the time. Awesome. All right, guys. Take it easy, man. The great Ray Longo here every week on the Antic and Flooring Podcast dating to episode one back in April of 2015. So... I touched on the wrestling fatigue thing a little bit with Ray Longo, Kenny, and I yeah. respect Gaethje when, when we're in our fighter meeting on Thursday and Dominic Cruz is sort of pressing him, even though Edson Barbosa came in statistically with the best takedown defense among active lightweights. Gaethje, that was not going to be what he was going to lean on, and he basically said he's like you can't pin him, right? And I know you can submit him, but Justin Gaethje is certainly not a submission guy. But I think for wrestlers that aren't offensive BJJ guys, it's like yeah, I can take him down, but dude, I'm not going to try to pin him, and I, I want to entertain the fans, and and
1: that's just not going to be the way I fight, and that's it for sure. And listen, you you got to look at where your strengths are, and. Uh, if perhaps you have a wrestling style that exerts a lot more energy, then you, you're probably going to avoid that or not do it as much. So I, I totally get that. That is a guy in Justin Gaethje who's you you know looking at his strengths and weaknesses as a fighter and and what he can do against the guy that he's going against and how how he matches up against that person and utilizing that style and he's doing it with great success so far. So um, you know can he be a little bit safer? Sure, there's always improvement in technique and all that. But uh, whatever Gaethje's uh, doing, it's working so far, man.
0: What a fucking animal. Congratulations animal. to Justin Gaethje. And we talked a little bit about the Tony Ferguson fight. And remains to be seen as to how Tony Ferguson's personal situation is going to work itself out. But he is training, and hopefully he can return in the not-too-distant future. I think that fight makes a lot of sense as a main event on ESPN, potentially. And the other reason why I think it makes a lot of sense is because... Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier are fighting for the Interim Lightweight Championship right. 12 days from now. And in theory, Kenny, the winner's going to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov. Dana White has come out and said as much, and I know sometimes they reverse course. But correct me if I'm wrong, if Khabib is fighting the winner of Poirier and Holloway, it's going to be at least one more fight for Justin Gaethje. And, you know, I'll throw out Tony Ferguson, Quintus Cerrone, maybe Anthony Showtime Pettis. I mean, you got to think Gaethje's next opponent comes out of that mix.
1: I agree. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. That's why you know I, I think it's it's something that makes sense. The way that you know things are heading, um, I, I think Ferguson and Gaethje will be looking for dance partners. Uh, why not put them both in there? That would be uh, an absolute classic. I mean, how can it not?
0: And Conor McGregor uh, with another likely semi-retirement. I know neither of us put too much stock in that, but yeah. it remains to be seen as to whether or not Conor McGregor is going to fight at all in 2019. As far as where Edson Barboza goes from here... You know, he's not hell-bent on winning a UFC championship like a lot of these lightweight contenders are. And I don't say that to knock him, right? But when I ask certain guys like David Branch if he will ever be able to enjoy his retirement and be satisfied if he doesn't at least get a chance to fight for the UFC middleweight title, he says it's going to eat away at me for the rest of the life, m- the rest of my life. And David Branch is a guy Kenny who won two major titles, right? in two different divisions and defended the belts multiple times. Right. So it's not like he doesn't have any belts at home and yet he will be totally unsatisfied if he doesn't realize a UFC championship opportunity for Edson Barboza. He's already entrenched as one of the best strikers in UFC history. I think a borderline hall of fame type guy, but probably not a UFC hall of famer has as good a highlight reel as anybody in the sport. Uh, A significant setback, I think, in terms of his lightweight contention. Um, But this is always going to be a guy who entertains and is going to find himself in big spots in terms of the championship aspiration. This will be a tough
1: one, I think, to come back from. I I agree. Listen, I I think as far as having that mindset, um, it's interesting. Listen, I, I think that if it was up to me or if I would give advice to a fighter, I think you have to have... The championship mindset. You have to be working towards a championship belt because that's what's going to propel you during your training. That's what's going to motivate you during your training, during your fights, all that stuff. If you're not looking to be the best, then what are you looking to do? Are are you looking for a paycheck? Because now that motivation, now that sharpness I think goes away and I think we should all be trying to do things at the highest possible. Right, Shooting for the stars, shooting for that belt, I think, is a way to do that. I think sometimes if you don't have that mindset, not to say it happens for everybody, but sometimes it can make you soft and it can make you lose some of the fights that maybe you should have won.
0: Sure. And I'm not saying that his kids are making him soft, right? He sure. Just had a no, baby no, no, girl, His son Noah is four and he said to me, and this is a direct quote: "Every day, I do everything in training to be a champion. So it's not like he's not putting go. in the right work, but he just doesn't seem quite as obsessed with winning a UFC championship as you were, as Justin Gaethje was. I know you back. Ultimately, cut your short a little bit, sh- cut short your career a little bit. I know you got a little bit of a late start, relatively speaking, but you just weren't going to be a guy who hung around for paychecks if if the UFC championship opportunity wasn't coming your way."
1: No, no, definitely. And, and listen, that that was my goal. If, if For me, if I'm going to do something, I want to try to go all and, um, you know, it, it didn't work out for me, but I had a lot of fun, got to face the best. And that, in the end, was what I was trying to do. And I think what every fighter really wants to do. And again, in Barbosa's case, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, he's not giving his best. It, it's a different approach psychologically, and you got to do what works for you at the end of the day.
0: All right, a couple other things on this UFC Philadelphia card. I know you've been busy with a lot of things and didn't see all of these fights, but I have some general thoughts on some of these fights and and wanted to get yours. So Michael Johnson and Josh Emmett, it was a very tactical fight. Not a lot of shots landed really on either side, but Johnson appeared to be the more effective striker. And then with less than a minute to go, I think 45 seconds, Josh Emmett just knocks him stiff. Uh, and changes, obviously, the whole complexion of that fight and Michael Johnson's immediate career. Instead of three consecutive wins for Michael the Menace Johnson and a whole lot of featherweight momentum, now he's on a losing streak, and here's a guy with 21 UFC fights. He's 11-10 and and forced to sort of rebuild himself yet again. I think this is a very difficult pill to swallow for Michael Johnson, but I spent some time with him after the fight, and I said to him, You know, you're the only man in the UFC to beat Tony Ferguson. You have a win over Edson Barboza, a main event win over Dustin Poirier. I think you have to mentally be of the belief that on any given Saturday night, you can beat any featherweight in the world, including Max Holloway. And if you go back into training with that mentality, I almost think for MJ at this stage of his career, that's kind of the only way to proceed, you know, to just be, be long on self-belief and hope you get the right fights and the right chances.
1: Without a doubt, man. And and you're absolutely right. I think Michael Johnson has showed, has shown flashes of brilliance, uh, in in a bunch of high level UFC fights against some excellent competition. So, uh, I think, yeah, that's where you have to kind of just build yourself back up. Um, look at what you're doing this for, uh, and and get back in there, man. Uh, that was a devastating knockout by Emmett and, and it hurts that much more. The fact that, you know, he was winning that fight. Um, this sport is crazy, man. It really is is crazy. You zig when you should have zagged and that's going to be the difference. And I I think it will be a great lesson for him moving forward. Um, But uh, sometimes, yeah, those pills are tough to swallow. But you just have to look at what you're doing it for. You have to look at the good things also in the fight. Sometimes that can be tough to look at. But you have to look at the overall picture. Sometimes we get caught up so much in the result that we don't see all the good work that we're doing. Michael Johnson has has been doing some good work, um, and and he's also must-see TV as well, also an an action-packed fighter.
0: I agree. I think you summed up sort of his career and the body of work pretty well. He's also talked just about having some mental lapses, right? He had a mental lapse in the Gaethje fight that cost him. Said when Khabib took him down, he just lost focus and mentally just wasn't there the rest of the fight. But he's certainly a guy who's let some opportunities slip away, but he's still got some name recognition. And and I still, I agree with you. I think he's an exciting fighter and one of the nicest guys on this roster. And he will certainly be back. The other side of this is Josh Emmett. And I'm not going to sit here and say he's the biggest power threat at 145 pounds, but he's certainly in the discussion. This knockout and the knockout knockdown his seventh knockdown in his last four fights at 145 pounds and Kenny when he lost to Jeremy Stevens at the hospital in Orlando they missed a lot of things in terms of some of the fractures and some of the things that he was oh, dealing good. with and he told wow. us the whole story right so goes back to Sacramento multiple facial fractures uh, an internal fracture of his orbital floor wow. i mean It was just one thing after the next. And we're sitting across from this guy on Thursday, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, my inner monologue is, hey, bro, you sure you want to hop in there with Mike? Or you just want to maybe go do something else for a living? Had vertigo after the fact. And we talk about how unforgiving and ruthless this sport is, but thrill and agony, right? Gives you an opportunity to produce something like this. And for Josh Emmett, I know he didn't get the bonus – that he was looking for and and crazy to think that you can be in the sports center top 10 and not get a bonus. Um, But this is just, you got to be happy for the guy, you know, whether he's your favorite fighter or not to go through what he went through after that, Jeremy Stevens fight. And over the last year with all the self doubt and all the injury and all the pain to be able to, to come back and knock a guy out like that. Got to be the most special night of
1: Josh Emmett's professional life. Talk about a gut check, man. Uh, Okay, because you look at it in boxing, mixed martial arts, kickboxing, whatever it is, some guys, and I won't say some, I'll say most guys, when your face is broken, you are rarely the same. Mm -hmm. When you know that your skull or your face can be fractured or broken, it is rare that guys come back the same and with the same style. Josh Emmett was still willing to get hit and hit himself. And he was able to go out at the knockout over a a very fast and dangerous striker in Michael Johnson. So it shows that this is a courageous dude. Josh Emmett is a very good guy. He's a humble guy. And the fact that he was able to get back on his horse, uh, recover from that nasty injury, uh, which ended up in him losing uh, to a very dangerous striker in Jeremy Stevens, uh, shows that this guy truly is a, a real fighter and knows how to deal with adversity both in and out of the octagon.
0: And he was really motivated by the matchup because he knows and said as much how good Michael Johnson is. So you got to feel good for Josh Emmett. And I always say to fighters, you know, despite the fact that we had a lot of decisions on Saturday night, Kenny, there was still a lot of competition for bonus money. And to anybody out there listening that happens to be a mixed martial arts fighter in the UFC, when, when you go bonus begging on the microphone, it's just not always a great look. And I'm not saying that they penalized him for doing that, but I just feel like when I've been in there more often than not, when a guy is asking for a bonus after the fact publicly on national TV, uh, you don't cut the line and go to the front, not saying you go to the back, but I just never think it's a good look, but, uh. Certainly, Josh Emmett is back in in a big way, and, and we'll see where he goes from here. I know you did not see the fight in its entirety between Michelle Watterson and Carolina Kovalkiewicz, but I just want to spend a few minutes on the karate hottie because she turned pro back in 2007. And, you know, former Invicta FC weight champion, maybe she's a natural 105-pound fighter, but when you look at her right now with the muscle mass that she's added, I think she's a bona fide strawweight. But... She just does everything the right way and is such a good person. And now she has three consecutive wins, all as betting underdog against Courtney Casey, Felice Herrig, and now Carolina Kovalkiewicz. She was able to take Kovalkiewicz down. Kovalkiewicz came in with the best takedown defense statistically in UFC strawweight history, was able to take her down, control her, great ground control from Michelle Waterson, And just to see her produce... Once again, in a big spot, I'm not saying that she's going to get a title fight next because I think Tatiana Suarez and Nina Ansaroff are likely to have their fight produced the next number one contender. But just got to feel good for a really good woman and mother, the karate hottie, to continue on her upward
1: trajectory here in the octagon. Couldn't agree more with you. Um, Michelle Waterson is one of the sweetest people you will meet in this sport. And the fact that she is improving her game and adding these new weapons, uh, I think, is huge for her, especially in this division. We've been seeing her um, kind of throw in these takedowns, mixing these takedowns more in her last couple fights, right. and it is really paying off. Her ground game, her wrestling, uh, the fact that she's doing this just adds another dimension to what she's capable of. And the fact that she was able to do this against Carolina Kovacevic, who you know, again, does have good takedown defense. And I didn't think Michelle would be able to do it and pull it off. And the fact that she was able to do it, I think, is huge. Um, And she's on her way. Maybe she's not going to fight next, but she's a couple fights away from potentially fighting for the world championship belt. Uh, And that is huge for her. Uh, Couldn't have happened to a nicer girl. And, uh, man, she's putting together an excellent win streak.
0: All right, and Jack Hermanson... He has now won three straight, five of his last six. If you don't know his backstory, his father took his own life when Jack was nine years old. His mom, Christina, he called the most kind, warm-hearted, nicest person I've ever met. And it's really exciting for Jack to get the bonus. You know, he has major visions to try to help his mother and potentially buy her a house. And this is certainly a step in the right direction. It was an outstanding submission. He vaults into middleweight title contention. Really feel good for Jack Hermanson. And last thing before we get out of here, so... Ray Borg and Casey Kenny fought to a decision. Now, I throw out my scorecard because I'm calling the fight, but most of the media believe that Ray Borg won this fight two rounds to one against Casey Kenny. And I I just feel really badly for Ray Borg. I know he missed weight, right? And to me, you know how little tolerance I have when guys miss weight. You know, when violent Bob Ross won his fight a couple weeks ago, we didn't even discuss it here on the show because I don't want to dignify it as a featherweight win when a guy misses weight. Ray Borg has said there were some circumstances that resulted in him coming in heavy, and he said those will come to light eventually. So if we can table the weight miss for a second and just focus on this fight... And the fact that this was this was a prize fight for him, right? This was a money fight for him, right? With everything that his son and his family has been through, his son Anthony, who just turned one on March 27th, he's had seven brain surgeries. Hydrocephalus—it's an incurable brain disease, fluid buildup. Ray Borg's lost six fights over the last two years, some because he was dealing with his son. He he had a, a, an, a an eye laceration because of the Conor McGregor bus attack and goes out there with all of those different emotions can flow and even though he did miss weight I thought he beat Casey Kenny and that would have doubled his money and gosh I you know for you and me as young fathers I, I just I don't know man like I'm happy to have Casey Kenny in the UFC and he certainly is a credentialed UFC fighter and a guy who I think is going to be a problem but my heart just goes out to this Ray Borg family man. I know that's going to fall on some deaf ears because of the weight miss, but it's just like I don't know how much more adversity one man, one fighter can take. To be honest with you,
1: You know John, a lot of times we see someone who's upset or angry, or you know they've fallen on hard times, um, and, and we it, we're very quick to label that that person and say you know that person needs to be in a better mood, or that person needs to get his shit together, or that blah blah. Try putting yourself in Ray Borg's shoes for a second, okay? Um, let's let's just, you know, the fact that he's a professional fighter working his ass off day in and day out and doesn't get a decision go his way, that is heartbreaking. And you add in the fact that him and his wife have been dealing with one of the most difficult things you need to deal with, and that's having a defenseless child deal with oh. surgery after surgery. Oh, and that's his that's his welcome into this world. And you're dealing with that. Not sure if your kid is going to survive the next 24 hours right? or, you know, seeing your kid in pain. And this is a baby. This isn't like a seven, eight year old, which is tough as well. But this is his introduction into the world. And you're dealing with all this stuff. Oh, by the way, you got to get ready for a dude who wants to punch you in the face. And know, you don't man. have a dis. I mean, it's awful, man. It, it, it's heart wrenching. So. That is really, really tough. Um, I can't even imagine. I I wish Ray the the best. I hope that there's other ways that he can make that money back. But, man, you know, uh, the only thing I can see is there's got to be something that's in store for him. There's some kind of lesson or some kind of light at the end of the tunnel for him and his family. And and I hope they find it soon, man. It's, man, what what a last couple of years for him.
0: It's crazy, man. He's 25 years old. And I mean, I can add more to the story and make it feel worse, right? I mean, he had a GI tear and kidney issues that prevented him from from taking one fight. Uh, Right before the Demetrius Johnson fight, he took custody of his seven-year-old niece who he's now raising because there are just some family issues there that he's dealing with. Uh, it was a 539 day layoff for Ray Borg. And, uh, there've been a lot of people, Brendan shop chief among them that have really helped him financially as he tries to navigate this. But, uh, my heart goes out to Ray Borg and it was certainly hard to see him after the fact, but hopefully better days ahead for the Taz Mexican
1: devil Ray Borg. All
0: right, we got to bounce on out of here. Battle bots beckons. Hi, huh? you got battle bots next week. When are you starting? What is it, season? Four?
1: It's season four, my man. It will be on Discovery Channel. Uh, I think we start uh, sometime near the middle of April. So, getting ready for that and uh, I'm excited. Just filming that here in SoCal and. Uh
0: can't wait my man sounds good man all right we are back with you next monday the 8th of april we will update the main event challenge standings at that time you can see just how swollen this lead is for team (laughs) and we've also got at least seven predictions i believe coming your way for ufc 236 holloway versus poirier two, and also the interim middleweight championship fight between israel adesanya and kelvin gasolam first title fight for both gasolam and adesanya that should be good too Ooh, that's good. I like that. All right, with that, for Ray Longo, TJ DeSantis, and Ken Flo, John Anik saying so long for now. Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you in less than seven days. Until then, Justin Gaethje, it's your world, baby. We're just living
1: in it. Yo, fucking later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. networks wagering week help your bottom line
0: Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started In 1795 the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family and 229 years later Cuervo is still going strong family owned from the start same family same land Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo the tequila that invented tequila Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless SAB to CV 2024. Proximo Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.